Hello and welcome to Drink to the Past. I'm your lovely and swarthy voiced host, Sean Michael Patrick Thompson. Isn't my voice ever so swarthy? And joining me today are a guy from Call of Duty and a flapper girl, according to their avatars here. Ah, He's a Call of Duty guy. I'm not sure what your avatar is, Crow. That's, he's from Metal Gear, you heathenist. Okay. <laughs> it's it's hard to see because the, the I, I never know what anybody's avatar is on Discord because on Discord they're like really tiny for no reason. And then I have to look and I'm just like, I don't know, he's like a bald guy maybe. Oh, I mean. That's all I can, can really tell. You can click on it and it pulls up a bigger picture. Click. It's it's Ocelot. It's, it's not that Ocelot. much bigger. Okay. That's Ocelot? Yeah, from uh, MGS5. Why does... I don't... I I didn't remember him having those proportions on his face. Hmm. Well, it, so it's... Uh, here, I'll, I'll pull up the picture it's from. It, it's from uh, Metal Gear Online. You can... At one point, you were able to play as Big Boss and Ocelot, and one of the emotes that you can do is put someone in a chokehold and take a selfie. Anywho, here are my co-host, Chris... Uh... What's your stupid name this week, Chris? Audette. And <laughs> Still Crow... about current events, Audette. Uh, <laughs> Hermit Prince? I said current events, but, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, Chris, current like Kermit events. Prince. Are... Kermit Prince, Audette. Kermit Prince. <laughs> and, uh, and Crow. Uh, Join us for, uh, after a short break. Oh, of there we go. Hanging out with us. But that's okay. Anyways, um, so yeah, let's get right into it. Um, so, what are we all drinking today? I've got a spiked fruit punch of some sort, which was literally just a bottle that was like, put a shot of any booze in this, and it will be spiked fruit punch. I'm like, okay, so I could have literally just bought any other fruit, but thank you, bottle, for giving me the idea, I guess. Anyways, it's got Kraken in it, because everything's better with Kraken. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I'm drinking a Sam Adams Boston Lager. Yeah, that's uh, not terrible. Like as corporate beers go, Boston Lager is like it's it's, right. it's okay. It's inoffensive. Yeah. It's it's like it. <clears throat> I it's, think it's, it's kind of sad water. that they brew 64 different beer styles year round, and that's the popular one. <laughs> Because it's far from their best one. Like, their cream stout is really good. They have a red ale that, like, makes Killians look like shit. And, but you never see those. You know, you go to a bar or, or uh, most liquor stores, and they'll, they'll always have Boston Lager. And a fair amount of the time, they'll have whatever their seasonal is. And that's it. What? And it's like, why? I, they make so a, much beer. It is <laughs> the person who buys these, are their favorite potato chip flavors plain? <laughs> I mean, I, it could be worse. I, I don't get it. Could be, it. Could be uh, um, could be drinking bud. You could. Be. Yeah, I'm not drinking bud. I will say, uh, it's unimpre it's unimpressive, but it is it does qualify as a beer. Hmm. Yep. All right. It's technically uh, a beer. And Crow, uh, you're drinking something exciting, aren't you? Yeah, I uh, I whipped together the Noble Pursuit that was uh, in the Legends Cookbook, courtesy of the folks who made the Legends Cookbook. Yeah, it's very fruity, very tasty, not very alcoholic, and uh, <laughs> the recipe is a little weird. 
Because um, it calls for you to freeze all the fruit that you make it with. Hmm. So it's frozen fruit and ice cubes, and then like half a cup of actual fluid huh. from the tequila and the um, other thing that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> uh, so it was very, very thick, like thicker than a smoothie, <laughs> almost hmm. ice cream consistency. So huh. I had to like quadruple the amount of tequila that I used. We're always okay with tequila. more tequila on Drink to the Past. Yes, but now it's an actual fluid. This spiked <sighs> punch tastes like, 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 not 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 so much like spiked punch. I'm I'm trying to think of like what it it tastes like. If you had like the syrupy stuff that maraschino cherries come in, but it was mm. strawberry instead of cherry. As a matter of fact, I have that stuff in my fridge. I have some cherries. Nice. I use that to garnish this drink. Awesome. I ate it already. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds pretty cool. That's that's kind of weird about the recipe because most of the recipes that I've done from the Legends Cookbook so far since I got mine are like pretty much spot on, really, really good recipes and mostly fairly straightforward and make sense and actually come out right. Uh, but but that's a little weird that there's just not very much liquid in it. So do you put it in a blender or something with all the frozen yes. fruit? Okay. Yes, you blend it. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that I probably fucked up somewhere because to date mm. I have yet to get any of these recipes right. They've always <laughs> been an abomination of some sorts, which mm. is why I haven't posted any pictures of what I've created because, my God, someone will probably have a heart attack if they saw what <laughs> I made. Right. My yeah. grandma would disown me. <laughs> Yeah, mostly I've been doing pretty good. Um, I had to kind of fudge one of the recipes because I was like, I didn't have nearly all the stuff to make the meat pie filling. And so I was like, I'm just going to make some like basic meat pie filling. It's basically just ground beef and onions with a little couple of spices and garlic powder. I'm like, good enough. <laughs> and then I stuffed into the, but the pie crust part was the important part of that recipe. And, and that came out nice and uh, actually kind of interesting. It was kind of biscuity instead of uh, like pie pie crust, which I've usually had on meat pies. So um, that's, that's a fairly simple one that you might give a go. Um, and then you, you can li literally just like brown up some ground beef and put in a couple of spices and it'll be like, it won't be the same obviously because uh, the, it, it uses like the, meat pie filling from the stuffed pumpkin recipe that it has um mm. which i didn't feel like going to that much effort and buying a bunch of stuff that i didn't have i was like i have ground beef that i need to use today and an onion good enough <laughs> also no yeah have you made the uh yeti soup i have not that was one of those that's on my list of things to try because uh just like as iconic yeah. zelda recipes go it's like like, yeah. I want to do any, that one and Grandma's Soup. <laughs> like, any kid who but, played uh, Twilight Princess is going to try, or has tried. Like, we had, when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, um, my stepmom had a soup recipe that we just called Yeti Soup. Like, it was, it was pretty damn close. <laughs> Didn't nice. have fish in it, but, I mean, it's it, close enough. Right, yeah, it's like, it's got cheese and pumpkins, it's close enough, right? <clears throat> but this one has cheese and pumpkins and salmon. Because, you know, what doesn't sound great about that yeah anywho um let's get into what you playing so crow what you playing i'm replaying fire emblem three houses because i'm unoriginal and can't start <laughs> the games that i buy so <laughs> right i am 200 hours into the game and 
uh, about four chapters into my third playthrough. Nice. Because I'm weak. Mm -hmm. I'm down the church route this time. Okay. I did the church route first accidentally because I didn't know... There's, like, in order to do the church route, you have to skip one scene that is, like, easily skippable if you're not literally doing every single thing that you can in between chapters. And, like, that for me was, like, the weakest part of Fire Emblem Three Houses was, like, the... Like, it wasn't bad. Like, I'd go and I'd talk to, like people in my house most of the time during my free time or whatever just to see Mm -hmm. what they had to say uh but like i feel like the whole thing i don't think it was done as well as it could have been and and i don't know i just wanted to get back into the fire embleminess of it is kind of what so a lot of the time i really wasn't paying all that much attention i'd be like okay who's here who's here you know i'd go to a couple of places spend my you know uh whatever you do uh daily action points or whatever they were called on you know i'd I'd like do stuff that would level up my units uh as kind of a min maxing thing and then i'd just be done i'd be like whatever if i didn't see you along the way then sorry and if you don't specifically go out of your way in one particular chapter to talk to edelgard and get this secret scene then you have to go down the church route and then i was really pissed off because literally none of the decisions that byleth makes in the church route are sensical at all and it's just like the entire time I'm like screaming at it. I'm because I had no idea that you could go with uh, the Edelgard. stay. Yeah, stay with the main Black Eagle's house and stay with Eagleguard. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do, but I had no mm-hmm. idea. And I thought the that the story literally just shoehorned you away from her. And I was like, why? <laughs> I don't want to. This church lady's a fucking crazy idiot. <laughs> yeah, Rhea's fucking. She's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, which. I think if I had gone through this as an alternate thing and it had given you the choice by default, then I would have liked the alternateness of it. But instead, mm-hmm. I felt like forced down that path that I didn't want to go. That and and also literally the entire time that you're there, you cannot. It's it's so weird because I feel like out of the uh, ones that I've played in Three Houses, it's is the worst about this where it's it kind of there's kind of places in the game where you get dialogue options and none of them matter anyway but i feel like Ah. it's really bad about that in the church route where like uh you're given like two dialogue options of like oh should we attack this settlement or should we set up and bolster our defenses and if you pick the wrong thing seteth will just be like no i think we should do this and then you'll do that anyway and i'm like why did you give me the choice if you're gonna make it for me so literally right. the entire time, Byleth is just like standing by and just letting Seteth walk all over him as the leader. It's like, right. why is Byleth even here? here? Byleth's a crappy character yeah. anyway. Anyway, we we could go off that tangent, but uh, I, all right. To be honest, uh, the only reason I picked the church route is just because I want to do like I want to do runs where I do each of the houses and like my core team because I've always had a bad habit uh, in the last two playthroughs of making like hybrid teams of people from all three houses. Uh-huh. Um, so I want to do a run where I use everyone like from that house from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. But then I got the idea of hey, I should do a church run where I use all of the like non-house associated people, so the knights and the church staff and the <laughs> Cyril and Blaine and yeah, that might be just so cool. happens to be. 
just enough people to make a complete team. So yeah, I got really excited. Want to do that? All right. Um, anything else you're playing, or should we move on to Chris? Uh, Call of Duty, but I mean I've talked about that in the previous podcast. Sweet, Chris, what you playing? Uh, so I have been playing a lot of Dead by Daylight again. Yes. Uh, it's good shit. Good game. Good shit. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm playing it enough to get to the point where I'm like, eh, it's it's given me the competitive game vibes where you start. Uh, I I really enjoy playing Killer. Uh, I do not enjoy playing Survivor so much. Yeah. What do you play? Uh, uh I've moved on to Plague recently, and I she's she's interesting. We can't be friends anymore. So yeah, I started. So I started with Nurse because I was like, okay, she's she's strong, and I got decently good with her, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, I just kind of gave it a rotation. I'd say Hag is my favorite at this point. Okay, that's fair. Uh, just because it's always fun to teleport across the map, hit somebody in the face, uh, and then teleport across the map again and hit a different person in the face. Mm. Uh, but I've, I've been having fun playing that as of late. I also picked up Command & Conquer Remastered. Uh, and just started playing that today, and it's like playing it. It it, it really is uh, the original Command and Conquer again, but with just updated graphics and sound, and an like much higher fidelity, nineteen ninety five quality uh, FMVs. So uh, I, I have a feeling I'm gonna have a lot a lot of fun with that. So, or at least, how do, how do you feel uh, backing up to uh, Dead by Day, Daylight really quick? I don't know if this yeah. is part of news and booze or not, Sean, but I'm going to step on it anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about uh, Pyramid Head being added as the next killer? Uh, I'm like, wow, Konami let the leash off of him? Yeah. Konami yeah, using like... him and not a pachinko machine? And also, he looks like a really cool killer. Uh, his power is really unique. Very strong. Uh, very, very strong, but looks like he takes some skill to play, and he doesn't look super overpowered. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing him when he uh, when they release him uh, for uh, into the full game, into not just the public beta. I think that's so next week. Yeah, that is next week. It's Tuesday. Uh, so. And also, the game, I think they said the game is coming to Switch, or it's already out on Switch. So, uh, I believe it's already on Switch. Yeah. Yes, it is, because there's a unique Trapper Mask. Cool. So yeah, that's been my go-to game to play for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, As usual, I've been shot. playing mostly uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake and uh, Tales of Vesperia, which I have an uh, interesting story about Tales of Vesperia, because uh, uh, 
I talked about this last week, I think, how um, I've just ha been having these points in the story where I'm just like, I don't remember this character at all. Like, what, what, what is going on here? And I'm like, most of it is like kind of clicking, but there are like big chunks that I have no idea. I'm like, I swear I've never seen this before. It turns out I haven't. Because the Switch version of Tales of Vesperia, the definitive edition, is actually a port of the Japan-only edition for PlayStation 3 that never came to the West. And since I played this on Xbox 360, it literally has content that I've never seen before. And I'm so like, you just oh, that's why I haven't seen this before. Yeah, and it's like these like big things. Like there's a character that's like recurring through the story, and she's like hilarious and awesome. She's like this little girl who dresses up as a pirate and looks for treasure. And you're like, are you sure you're gonna be okay to go on your own? And she just like pulls out a fucking musket and like blasts a monster five times in the face you're like okay i'm just like i want her in my party i'm gonna i'm gonna main her this is amazing i love this little girl but i but i had no recollection of her because she was not in the version that i played because she was only in this expanded version that came out in japan and i was like oh that's kind of random and neat to find out um so yeah i guess they must have apparently recorded a bunch of English localizations for the definitive edition that I didn't even know about because the all of the scenes with th these kind of things are fully voiced by the cast and stuff so I'm like it's kind of cool <clears throat> I wouldn't have expected that because I thought it was just a straight up port uh, but they must have done a little more than I thought they did so that's kind of cool um, what else was I playing I feel like I was playing something else um, Final Fantasy? I was playing Final Fantasy 7. Um, so I got, uh, I beat the final chapter on hard mode today. Uh, so, uh, is that what that was? Yeah. For the 1 HP? Yes. Um, okay. so actually some of my guys might have been dead, I think. But, uh, so the final boss has this attack that he kind of nukes the field and it, it, it hits like probably about half the field. And if any of your guys are in it, it will put them at 1 HP. I love it. And Very so I, I beat the uh, final boss uh, with literally all three of my guys either at 1 HP or dead. I think one of them was dead, and the other two were at 1 HP. And I switched to Barrett when he got his uh, uh, two bars of ATB, and I blasted out my uh, uh, big old shot at him, and, and it killed him. And I was like, yes, oh my god, I did it! So um, that is my second-to-last achievement. I have one more achievement for Platinum. And I'm excited about that. So I got to grind out that secret boss is the only last thing I got to do. And then I will be platinum on Final Fantasy VII Remake. You got to go fight Thomas the uh, Tank Engine. Yes, I'm <laughs> certain that yeah. is it. Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Anywho, shall we get into the news and poos? So, yes. um... For booze this week, I guess we've already kind of gone over that, but uh, let's go ahead and rate our first couple of drinks here. Uh, Chris, what do you rate that beer? Uh, eight. Like, it's it's got a it's got a racial penalty, but it's it's doing it's doing okay for itself. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm not huge into most lagers. Boston Lager is like okay. It's meatier. I'm not sure if that's a good term or not, but it's <laughs> meatier than like uh, you know your average American lager. 
Yeah, it it doesn't taste like uh, it doesn't taste like piss. piss. It doesn't it doesn't taste like a pilsner that is just one note, nothing else. It's 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 got slightly more going on like that. But I do think that whoever whoever likes this beer, their favorite potato chip flavor is plain. <laughs> right. Uh, not not that there's anything wrong with that, but I I, I don't get it myself. Yeah, he's uh, calling you boring. Crow, <laughs> what do you rate that uh, noble pursuit there um, with the extra tequila? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a 14. Really good. Not amazing. Like it's not a. I'll make this every day. But part of that is I think I failed an intellect check. <laughs> right. And uh, that's why it turned out the way that it did. Okay. So yeah. I've been meaning to get the ingredients and have that on Drink to the Past, so maybe I'll make mine and see if it's any different from how yours was. Uh, yes. That might be interesting to see. Um, do it. Yeah, and uh, my fruit punch is like a straight up like six. It's just it's just like strawberry syrup, like like you would put on ice cream maybe, but like not as good as that. It's sickly sweet like most I, like the more i drink these little put a bottle in and a shot in i'm just like it's all just the same shit i'm pretty sure it's just like sugar water and maybe one other flavor like the mojito is a little minty maybe <laughs> you know th that kind of thing so i'm i'm getting less and less impressed with these as time goes on i'm glad that i tried all of them but it's it's just kind of like at this point Yep, it's syrup. <coughs> so that'll bring us to my first beer of the week, which is Good Behavior, which according to this is a crushable IPA. So that sounds pretty good. Um, that's from Odell. Oop, eh, I started looking at the label and I started pouring badly. I'm a poor beer. All right. Well, anyways, that was that was my fault on the poor, bad pour. Um, and I got my brewery, my Bellhaven Brewery mug here. I got this at a, one of the Scottish festivals around here one time. Bellhaven Brewery is in Scotland, and they came out to support one of the Scottish festivals in Estes Park one year. A uh, few years. Apparently I got this one in 2013. Neat. Have I been 21 since 2013? Holy fuck. I'm old. Uh, you've been 21 a while longer, Sean. Yeah. I've been 21 since 2012. <laughs> I was... I'm just like, wait, hold on. Have I been drinking that much? That's a lot of 16. beer. You are five years older? Yeah, five years older. Apparently, yeah. You're young and... I didn't realize well, we you were that much younger than me. That's kind of funny. But, uh... How old you I don't know. Yeah. What'd you say, Crow? How old did you think I was? I don't know, I felt like you were, like, right around the same age as me, but five years younger seems, like, almost, yeah. like, next generation younger, but not quite next generation younger, you know what I mean? Have we really never talked ages? I guess... I, I don't never think asked. we have, yeah, as I just... I don't think it's come up, yeah. It's never like, I told you to drink beer on my podcast, and you did, so I was like, okay, at least he's not a baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm more, um, like, I've been drinking for a while. It's kind of but. light as hell, but it's like hazy too. So, 
that might be pretty good. Usually Odell does pretty good stuff. They're a brewery here in Denver, I think, somewhere in Colorado. Sean, you're 29 now? Fort Collins. Um, I am 29 now. Old as fuck. Yeah, we actually got a good age range on here, I think. Mm -hmm. How old are you? 27. 40. It's like what? really light. There's like nothing to this. Let's get into the news part and, and I'll come back to that. Chris, yeah. do you want to introduce our first little topic there? Yeah, so, uh, and I was actually really excited when I saw this. Uh, Itch.io has released a bundle for racial justice and equality that has a $5 minimum donation and contains, and, and they kept on increasing the number of items, and at time of recording, it's up to... Let me refresh the page here, because they may have added some. 1,658 items. And uh, so it's like an incredible value pack. And whatever you decide to donate to it goes to a good cause. Uh, and there's enough on here that I'd say... I'm like... there. I know for a fact that there's at least $100 worth of good games on here. Uh, and there's many, many, many more things that I haven't tried that uh, are prob that look like they'd be worthwhile. So, uh, yeah. So definitely wow. look that up if you go to itch.io. I'm sure you can find it. It's uh, we have the link here. I'll put the link in the description here um, on YouTube or Podbean or. Um, whatever else the thing we are on is Apple, which is, yeah, we're on Apple. I don't talk about it much, but follow us on Apple if you listen to Apple Podcasts. Hey, there's a yeah. stream I can watch here. Boing. And, and hopefully it doesn't, uh, fuck your ears. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so they've already reached their $5 million goal. Wow. Uh, and if you look here, you can see there's a bunch of games on there. They have Celeste on there, which we've talked about a bit on the podcast before. So if you don't oh, have yeah. that, it's worth picking up for this game alone. Yeah, like uh, for five bucks, getting Celeste is a that's a that's a good deal. Five bucks for Celeste, plus you get sixteen hundred other things. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's fucking it's crazy. crazy. Uh, I was looking for. I was actually independently looking for good mech RPGs. Hmm. And I heard about Lancer, and I heard that it was illustrated by the guy who does Kill Six Billion Demons, which is a pretty awesome webcomic. Huh. Uh, so I actually bought this independently, and then a day later, I found out it was in this bundle. Uh, for, And the total bundle is one-third of the price you'd pay to pick up like the book, so I would also pick it up for that alone. Uh -huh. uh, let's see, there's, a, there's other good stuff in here. I'm trying to only go with games I've can directly recommend due to playing them. Uh, Nuclear Throne, that's worth picking up. That's mm -hmm. a little top-down roguelike shooter that's much faster paced than, say, Enter the Gungeon. Uh, yeah, there's a ton, ton of stuff I've heard of on there but not a lot that i've actually played uh except celeste obviously uh which is just a great friggin platformer um minus celeste <laughs> yeah i didn't mind they it. Minus fuck you so i say fuck you right back 
Minus the last two levels, you said? Yeah. Uh, eight and nine? Yeah. God, I hated them so much. Especially the last one. It was mm -hmm. just, like, it was just uh, unfair. I'm, I'm still trying to do the B-sides to get to eight. If that tells you where I'm at in the game. You're gonna hate your life when you get to the... the yeah, I'm, I'm already hating my life going through the B-side of the hotel. No, like... You haven't seen anything yet. Yeah, I just kind of went through the main game and I was like, ah, that's probably about enough for me. Um, I might come back to it at some point, but if I do, I'll probably oh. just replay it. Um, Quadrilateral Cowboy is super interesting. Hmm. I learned there's a there's a tenth level inside the mountain. And it's like, no. No, fuck you. Yeah, um, yeah. I... I got to that area, but you need, like, uh, items... For crystal hearts. Yeah, you have yeah, to you find them. And I, I think I found one of them. Uh, so I yeah. need to, you need to go, like, back through the other levels and find the other keys to find them. So I was like, so yeah, can, I don't feel like doing that. You can do that. You can just find crystal hearts laying around, or you can do the B-sides, mm. which are way harder, and get a crystal heart for doing those. Okay. And I think... I think to do the ninth level, you need like twenty crystal hearts or mm. something insane like that. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, Quadrilateral Cowboy over here is a little. It's like a first-person hacking game. Huh. Where you do like command line programming to turn things off and attach shit to like eye blink sequences. So that's a game that's worth picking up. Huh. Uh, mm. Oh, what was it? Uh, there was a heart. A hexographer cartography kit somewhere in here hmm. that looked pretty cool. That's good for doing hex maps for tabletop gaming. Uh, point is, there's a lot of there's a lot yeah, of interesting a lot of stuff, stuff there. It's a lot of tabletop stuff. It's a lot of video game stuff. So definitely go check that out. Um, if you're watching the YouTube version, you can probably see the. Uh, link up here in Chris's stream. It might be too small to read, but either way, I'll put the link in the description there. Yeah. So, next piece of news and booze, um, Halo ODST Firefight is coming to the Master Chief Collection uh, later this summer, so that's gonna be kinda cool. Um, either you ever play much ODST? Uh, Chris, yeah. I know you haven't played much Halo in general. Uh, I think I played a little ODST multiplayer at friends houses before but not much beside that uh-huh yeah odst is um like definitely by far like i would say it's my favorite firefight mode in any game ever maybe rivaled by gears of war 2 uh they both really had just super awesome firefight modes um so this kind of mode is where you're, like, it's you against, like, waves and waves and waves of never-ending enemies, and you just kind of see how long you can go. And uh, on co-op, it's just one of the most fun couch co-op game experiences that has ever been there. So I'm, like, I'm kind of excited for this. And, like, looking, uh, I'm, like, thinking about picking up Master Chief Collection on PC again, because uh, I haven't played any of the Halo games in a long time anyways. And I'm just like, now they're putting in, like, the best firefight mode ever, I'm fucking on board. So what I will say is that Halo is one of those games that aggravates my motion sickness. Mm. So, and it's, I, and I've been watching, occasionally I'll watch friends stream the game, and then I can't watch for more than five minutes without feeling nauseous. Yeah. So it's, 
Uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It is. Um, but, Crow, you were saying you've played uh, some amount of ODST? Indeed. I actually... ODST, probably my third favorite Halo game. That's up probably fair. Uh, yeah, I would, I would probably put it third, because my favorites are Reach and the original. Um, but ODST definitely had a really, really unique campaign because you're not playing as a Spartan for once. You're actually just a Marine. And so the yeah. kind of differences between like Halo 3, which was the contemporary Halo at the time, and ODST, which is sort of the spinoff right in that same generation, uh, was really kind of cool the way that they handled that because you didn't feel like a Spartan, but you didn't feel imbalanced because you were just a Marine. Uh, right. I, I thought it was a really cool kind of way that they ended up doing that. I do, I think it's funny that uh, ODST basically got the same treatment as Wind Waker, where, like, when it first came out, everybody was super shitting on it, like, oh, this is not Halo, yeah. you know, Mr. Chief. Right? And now, yeah, I want energy shields. I've always loved ODST, I'm Chad. Right? Yeah. I wasn't shitting on it, what are you talking about? Don't you quote my tweet from five years ago? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, I'm definitely going to... I didn't know about Firefight, so I'm excited about Yeah, that's going to be one of the cool things. Um, What's the highest you ever got? The what? I'm not... I don't even remember. It's been so long since I played. I don't... Uh, me and my brothers used to sit down and play four-player split-screen, just go to town on that for... You know, that uh, that and also Gears of War and Gears of War 2. Um and we, we yeah. were really into those kind of things because they had that kind of thing also in uh, the old Ghost Recon games uh, before Ghost Recon was like kind of trying to imitate Call of Duty, I feel. Because Ghost Recon was almost kind of its own thing where it was like a hybrid stealth slash action shooter in the original Xbox days. And I feel like they kind of just eventually were like, nah, Ghost Recon is going to be our Call of Duty uh, you know, competitor. Wildlands is great. Mm -hmm. I haven't played any of the the Ghost Recon games in a long time. I'm trying to remember. The last one I played was sometime in the Xbox 360 generation. Uh, so it's it's been a while. But and and not to say that any of them were bad, but uh, just they kind of lost what I felt kind of made them unique uh, when they sort of tried to be a little more competitive. Is, is kind of what I read into it. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but that's Ray, just kind of how I felt about the situation. Wildlands is so much better than Nature Soul. Mm. So much better. Anyways, um, Hellblade 2 Senua's Saga is the first Xbox Series X game confirmed to be working with Unreal Engine 5. So I will ask uh, if that typo that it is that is that is that supposed to be there which typo what i'm i'm looking at the document with chris we have a uh as host and co-host we both have access to the notes that i talk about which uh are you talking about right there uh I'm, I'm not so sure that's a typo. That's not a typo. Uh, so uh, I've been abbreviating Xbox Series X as XSEX. 
XX. XX, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, uh, like actually, it. Lyle, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago with us, um, kind of started that in the Two Guys Playing Zelda Discord. So hit them up. Go to twoguysplayingzelda.com, find the Discord link, and, um, yeah, chat us up about all sorts of weird gaming stuff. Yeah, he, uh, he just, for some reason, he put, like, most people have been putting S XSX, um for xbox series x or whatever or just uh series x some people have been shortening it uh but i thought that uh you know his shortening it of to xx was like hilarious because i i have the brain of a 12 year old so i was like okay i am going to forevermore abbreviate xbox series x as xx <laughs> So, anywho, Unreal Engine 5 is on Xbox Series X. We already knew that, obviously. Um, but it's kind of interesting that um, a game that was shown off like six months before the Unreal 5 reveal happened, that was using the engine, you know, kind of happened as its reveal. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, and as well, obviously, Hellblade 2, I think, looks better than anything that was in the uh ps5 unreal engine unreal. 5 reveal trailer thing they had they had like that thing with a bunch of different games that are running on unreal engine and i thought that was kind of cool uh but like literally none of them look as good as senua's sacrifice or senua's saga hellblade 2 so i've been meaning to get to hellblade 1 anyway so have, have either of you played hellblade yeah, I have not. Okay. Yeah, it's... we have nothing to contribute. Yep, me neither. Um, it looks really cool, and I'm like super excited about it. But I'm I'm just like sniping it for sales. Every now and then I just go on like PlayStation Network or the Switch Network, and I'm just like, Are you on sale yet? Are you on sale yet? Let me get you when you're on sale. So hopefully it'll come eventually on a, onto a sale because I've seen it on sale and thought about it a few times. Um, so. Anyways, Hellblade 2 Senua's Sacrifice is going to be uh, Unreal Engine 5 and Xbox Series X exclusive. So, anyways, not much else to say about that. New Paper Mario trailer has revealed more about gameplay, exploration, and the setting. So, uh, this was re revealed earlier this morning. Either of you watched the trailer? I have not. I did not. I was not aware of this reveal. Mm. Oh. News to me. Yeah, um, it it's kind of interesting. First of all, because it you know it, it goes into a little bit more in depth look at Paper Mario uh, and the Origami King. I think I'm not I'm I don't remember yeah. the exact title. Something along those lines. Anyway, they don't, that guy is important. So um, basically, it looks like the entire world has like these four paper streamers that are kind of going in different directions, and you have to find the end of those to find the MacGuffin or the boss or something. It's a little unclear, but you have to kind of unravel this. all four of them in order to uh, beat the boss. So, But along the way, it actually looks like there's a buttload of exploration in between, so I'm kind of excited about that. It looks like semi-open world. It's, it's hard to tell, obviously, from trailers if it's like really open world. Yeah. And then it went into kind of how the combat works, which we saw a little bit in the reveal trailer, uh, where, like, Mario's in the middle, and then, like, there's enemies kind of in rings around him, and uh, you can, like, move the rings 
in order to cleverly position your enemies to do combos and stuff. So it, it looks like it's gonna kind of weird, unique, strategic gameplay. So I'm kind of excited about that. I think it looks like every fight is gonna be a little bit of a puzzle. Uh, so I think huh. that looks kind of cool. I just, I think the bosses uh, are really, really fucking dumb. They like, are. They, they are like weird. These... They're like art supplies and shit. And you're like, like it, it, it almost feels like these were like rejects for Yoshi's Crafted World. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not even like that. It, it's like they developed the game and then like one of the guys is like, so how are the bosses coming along? And the dude's like, bosses? Oh shit! Uh, uh, d uh, colored pencils, tape dispenser, bottle cap. Yeah, that, those are literally the bosses. So that's a little fucking weird, but still, yet the puzzle element of defeating them I think might be kind of interesting. So and and the rest of the game looks pretty cool anyway. So, but I will agree with you. The bosses look fucking silly. <laughs> You could even make creatures based off them. You literally just made art supplies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the other kind of interesting thing about this that I'm thinking of is um, the way that this presented itself is like very similar to the way that they would have like in a Nintendo Direct. Like they would have the reveal trailer and then maybe like this other trailer, like, explaining more of the in-depth, like, this is this and this is that, you know, that kind of thing. And one of the things that people were talking about when this was revealed was that this was, quote, like, direct-worthy news. And so it kind of brings into question whether or not Nintendo Directs are really going to continue the same way that they have. Because... Obviously, like, right now, we're in, like, this last week should have been E3, theoretically, if everything went to plan. Nintendo probably would have had a Nintendo Direct, but now, like, everybody's kind of... I, I think some amount of it is just wild fan speculation, which is to be expected with anything happening at Nintendo ever. But I, I think there's some kind of credence to it, though, that there's, you know... A potential chance that Nintendo Directs could change because they didn't need to make a Nintendo Direct for E3, so they can kind of split up everything and do like more individualized stuff instead of having a big presentation with a lot of stuff. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that this Paper Mario stuff being direct like yet standalone is a sign that Nintendo Directs might be going away? or changing form in some capacity, or do you think it's just random shit that Nintendo does because nobody knows what the fuck Nintendo is doing? I think it's just Nintendo being Nintendo. I, I don't see Direct going away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Like, the format might change a little bit, but I think it's literally just they don't have anything to announce right now. Yeah. That's possible, because, like, a lot of their stuff is kind of known, but unknown. It's like... You know, for the rest of the year, the only big thing we have after Paper Mario is Travis... Not Travis. Uh, no More Heroes 3. Um, and maybe Breath Travis of the Wild 2, but... for the third time. Right, yeah. But Breath of the Wild 2, I'm almost certain, is going to come out next year. I, don't, I just don't see it coming out this year. Like, maybe, sure, if they pushed it really hard, maybe. But I, I just don't see Breath of the Wild 2 coming out this year. 
um, personally. So that's there's a lot of credence to what you said, Crow. It could just be like they're kind of like we don't have a lot of announcements, so we're gonna give the announcements we have. Um, there's also like. Japan is taking this whole COVID situation a lot more seriously than the United States is. So I can tell you that that is true as a, you know, American guy who has recently been in three states in varying amounts of uh, COVID panic. Because, uh, <laughs> like, here in Denver and the Denver metro area, like, it's a, it's a lot more big city than, uh, I think, even I, as a, like, Denver metro area resident, like, think it is sometimes. Because Denver is, like, the biggest metropolitan area in, like, a several hundred mile radius. Like, there's nothing outside of Denver that is half as big until you get to, like, Phoenix. And then Phoenix is about the size of the Denver metro area. Um, yeah. But, like, other than that, it's like there's nothing. And it's so funny, like, even just to travel to different towns to here and there in Colorado, that, like, they take it so differently. Because, like, in Denver, like, everybody's in panic mode. Everybody's like, you must wear a mask. You must social distance and all this and that. And, it, you know, and you know, I, I, I try to keep up with it and all that. When I'm going out, I'd be courteous and polite and wear my mask and all that. But then when I go, like, I had a gig a couple of weeks ago on Memorial Day. Um, I went out to Fort Morgan, which is this uh, kind of little redneck town in the middle of nowhere, uh, and played for a Memorial Day service. And, like, everybody's all buddy-buddy. Like, like 12 people wanted to handshake me, and I was like, I haven't had a handshake in so long. What do I do? <laughs> it was weird. Uh, also, they have had more cases. Then all of Fort Collins. Fort Collins is really big, and Fort Morgan is really small it's for non-Colorado people. It's tiny. Fort Collins yeah. isn't huge, huge like Denver, but it's it's pretty big. It's it's a college town too. Maybe you don't you know, maybe you don't you know shake hands till next year, till till there's vaccine. Yeah, it's it's like. And I try, but then it's like once you're put in that situation where there's like tons of people coming up to you like, oh, I have a handshake and, you know, just like being buddy buddy with each other. And it's like, but at the same time in such a small town, like I can almost see their, you know, desire to be as buddy buddy as they are. It, it's like a weird kind of thing that I'm like, I get it, but it's still not the right thing quote-unquote to do but it's like how do you like can you really stop them but it's so it's it's, it's weird a lot of weird yeah, situations like, at least once a day at gamestop we'll get somebody who's like ah oh, i know this whole covid thing's just a hoax none of this ever existed yeah are you do you not see the world do you not read news yeah which, which so, side do you live under anywho um, a new Star Wars game has been leaked and then shortly after was announced by EA. Uh, it's called Star Wars Squadrons. There is a full reveal coming Monday, which is June 15th. Uh, so this next Monday coming up is going to be 
some pretty cool Star Wars game news, uh, theoretically. It looks from the, uh, the, it basically this image leaked online, and it's, uh, I didn't look all into it. I just was kind of like looking at this, and then I kind of quickly put it on the notes so I would know what was going on. But it, I saw the image, and it, it um, looks kind of like there's uh, kind of some sort of space flight going on. There's like classic TIE fighters and X-Wings and Y-Wings and stuff. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's, you know, another Rogue Squadron era sort of game where it's like all flight simulator-y. So that looks pretty cool. Um, uh, you but know, this reveal is actually... What? This reveal is actually pretty shocking to me. Disney still trusts CA after Battlefront 2? <laughs> well, I mean, they did come out with uh, Jedi Fallen Order. You know, I, I guess that's fair. Uh, and honestly, probably the, the issue is more that EA still has the contract with Star Wars that they signed before Disney took Star Wars over, I think. Yeah. So that's probably more, you know, af after their contract runs up, I don't fucking know. Um, you know. But I'm not sure when that is. That, that'll be a while, I think. They signed a Honest. pretty hefty long-term contract, I think. But I don't know. I, I hope the game turns out well. Um, I'm generally not confident in EA's ability to not fuck things up, mm -hmm. but they seem to have done a pretty good job with the Command & Conquer Remastered uh, in not fucking things up, so who knows? Right. Alright, and last piece of news and booze is all of the news. Because um, we got the big SPS five reveal yesterday that we were talking a little bit about. Um, so let's just kind of go through that point by point and um, you guys can stop me if there's anything specific that you want to talk about. Um, so it, it opened off. I, I'm going to stop us real quick right here because I thought that this was a really weird way to open up with Grand Theft Auto five remastered, which is coming in 2021. So it's not a launch title. It's a remaster and like the the way that they led into this like it didn't look very good and i was like am i looking at the next generation graphics this doesn't look very good and then they were like oh it's grand theft auto 5 remaster i'm like okay it's so it's an old game so i can give it that pass but like i'm not familiar enough with grand theft auto to have seen it and i was just like the whole trailer before it was like this is remastered grand theft auto 5 i was like Man, this looks like crap. <laughs> so, is that just a weird fucking way to start stuff off, or what? They didn't even say, like, remastered. It's expanded and enhanced. Yeah. So, like, they didn't so, even have to touch the graphics. So, they it, that seems like just a failure in terms of ordering. I feel yeah. like you start off with something new and exciting... And you finish off with something new and exciting, and then you leave something like this for the middle. Right. I feel like this was almost like the, uh, like the pre-show at the Game Awards announcement, though. Yeah. It's kind of what it felt like, because like after that, they kind of got into like. Okay, so here's now where our, we're really going to start. So their next announcement was Spider-Man Miles Morales. Which is a sequel slash spinoff to Spider-Man PS4. Uh, so, but it's obviously starring Miles Morales and going more into his story. So that feels like a good thing to start off on. And I'm just like, why did you bog this down with that? Why didn't you lead with Spider-Man and put Grand Theft Auto just somewhere in the middle? 
right? It it felt like when at the end of the game awards when they announced the the Fast and Furious game, and you thought it was going to be something really big, and there was a huge letdown. You're just like. <gasps> Uh, right, yeah, that's that's exactly what it so feels hyped. like. Cause that that was maybe a little bit worse because it was like the last announcement of the like show at the Game Awards, and you were like, right. "Oh my god, they got Vin Diesel and whoever this other person is that's apparently in the movies." And Vin Diesel is like really excited, like and he's like, "I'm gonna tell you about this game. It's really cool. We're all gamers on set, and it's uh, and it's this game of Fast and Furious." And you're like, "Wait, okay, so you're just plugging this? You're not actually that excited about it. You're just plugging it because." because the studio paid you to. <laughs> and it, it looks like a forgotten 360 game. Yeah. Like, they developed it in 2008, so and then just forgot about it. And they're like, oh, hey, this is a thing. Let's just let's just release it. It'll be fine. This will give us some money. Right, yeah. It looks so bad. Anyways, the Spider-Man, um, the graphics yes. on that look pretty cool. Um, so what do you think about it being a Miles Morales game instead of... Uh, a, a true sequel because uh, I've been seeing kind of mixed opinions on that about like oh no I wanted a true sequel where we're following Peter Barker still and Miles is just one of those side characters or whatever so what do you guys feel about that I feel like Miles Morales is a decent ca character to carry on with that I mean it's, it's not like he came out of nowhere right yeah I think he definitely like he deserves a spotlight in the game. Like, if they want to make the sequel about Miles, go for it. Uh, what The problem I have is, like, I've been getting conflicting re uh, reports, and Sony hasn't told us anything official for GameStop. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems as though uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is actually more like an, uh, an expansion, like a DLC-type thing to Spider-Man. It's not like it's not Spider-Man Two. It's like Spider-Man One Point Five. Yeah. So that's another thing that's been a little bit bugging some people, which I'm kind of like looking at it and I'm like, it it feels to me like it's like uh, Torna, uh, for Xenoblade Chronicles Two, where it's like an expansion that's basically big enough to be its own game. But it's still built on the same engine. It's still got mostly the same graphics. But it's just got a different story that kind of relates to the first. And so that's kind of what I'm taking it as. And I'm still just, like, excited about that anyways. Because I'm just like, yeah, I... Yeah. It, but because it's a weird thing. Like, as a standalone game, I will buy this. If they released Miles Morales as a DLC, I probably wouldn't. Just because, like, I don't buy DLC, like, almost ever for any game. So just on principle, I probably wouldn't buy it. And now I'm like, okay, I have something to be hyped for when, you know, I get a PS5, if that should... Which I'm, I'm still kind of leaning towards that more over Xbox Series X, because Xbox Series X pretty much is like Hellblade and Halo. And I'm like, I kind of want Hellblade, but I haven't played the first one yet, so I could probably wait for that. And, like, I have plenty of other Halos to catch up on. You know, you like, I could buy the Master Chief collection, and I would have 900 times more Halo than Halo Infinite. There is actually, uh, Game Informer released a list, uh, a few weeks ago of all the games so far confirmed to be coming out for, uh, Xbox Series X, the XX. The XX. <clears throat> There's, I think, 17? Okay. 
22? Yeah. Somewhere in there. But some amount of those are also, you know, going to be third-party games that are going to be coming to PS5 anyway. So, it's like, oh, yeah. at this point, it's like, it's still kind of hard to tell. Like, if they have a couple of, like, really hard hitters, then maybe I'll look more towards Xbox. But, anyways. Um, new Gran Turismo game is coming out. Either you care about Gran Turismo or should we move on? No. Okay. It's like, it look cool. Um, I think it was a good showcase of the graphical capability. Um, and next thing that came up was uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So a new Ratchet and Clank game, which is kind of interesting. I haven't actually played any of those, but they all have looked kind of fun. And I've heard nothing but good things. But this one is really kind of showing off the PS5's horsepower. Because it features this crazy-ass dimension hopping as like a mechanic. Where you're like going from one dimension to the next. And it's like loading an entire world that like... If you're, like, teleporting from even one point in the world to another in most current-gen games, you're going to have a loading screen, right? So this, you're, like, going through a portal, and it's like you are you go through the portal, and you're there in the next world. It's fully realized. You, it's fully explorable, and it's, like, almost instantaneous. How fast you're going between these worlds is fucking insane. So this is, like maybe one of the best uh, games to showcase what the PS5 is actually capable of in terms of loading speed. Because it can load the whole world in, like, the five seconds that you're going through this portal thing. Yeah. And that's going to go, like, largely unmentioned and not talked about, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Z, either you play any Ratchet & Clank or interested in this other than that? Uh, I've... I have never played a Ratchet and Clank game. Neither have I. I was kind of hoping they would have a Sly Cooper as well, but maybe later. I remember Sly Cooper looked interesting when it came out, but I never got into it. Next game was Project Athea, which is uh, some kind of modern-looking chick fights dragon or something. Uh, there was some sort of platforming in it. Looked neat. Next one was really weird. It's called Stray. Um, it looks like there's some kind of robot apocalypse, and, uh, there's some importance behind this cat. And it's, like, very, un like, the cat is, like, wearing a backpack and featured predominantly through the trailer, and it's the only non-robot character in the trailer. And you're like, so wait, do I play as the cat? So I, I got no fucking clue. Probably. It's called Stray. Right, yeah, I'm like, I guess? I don't know. Um... Okay. The PS5 controller has a headphone jack. Big news. Uh, that was that, big that's to me. The biggest news of this reveal. Yeah, I was yeah. like, has a headphone jack? Yeah. That the fucking presses. Yeah. I was like, dude, this is like one of my favorite PS4 features. Because like when I'm like playing when my kids are in bed or whatever, I can kind of crank it up on my headphones a little bit and still like enjoy all the music and stuff and, and you know, get the full effect of whatever sound design. Um, so I'm super hyped that it has a headphone jack. I'm just like, yes, please don't go to, you know, no headphone jack and don't go to any stupid wireless things. I don't want to buy wireless headphones. I got good headphones. I don't want to place them right now. Um, next game was called Returnal, which, uh, looks like Groundhog Day, but it's a horror shooter in space. It's kind of interesting. Huh. It's like every time you die, you wake up and the world is a little different and slightly more fucked up. 
Oh yeah, it's very Death Stranding-esque, or at least that's the vibes I got. The aesthetic is a little Death Stranding, I could see that, uh, but the, the concept is really far apart from Death Stranding, I feel oh. like. But yeah. uh, I, I can see how you kind of get that a little bit from the aesthetic. Um, next thing is uh, Sackboy, a big adventure. So it's more little big planet, uh, but it's in 3D, so it's um, a little bit different than any, because all the Little Big Planet have been 2D so far, haven't they? But now it's a 3D Little Big Planet thing. They've been pseudo 2D. Uh, right. Yeah. 2.5D. I mean... But whatever, this is like a full 3D, like, Super Mario Odyssey kind of, is what some people have been kind of comparing it to as um, a... Uh, I don't know if it looks as good as Super Mario Odyssey. I don't think it does. It looks like a decent 3D platformer, but I'm really not big into 3D platformers. And as someone who played, who was like the only person I knew who had a PS3 and uh, <laughs> had the original Little Big Planet, I just I I don't I don't care about Sackboy. Right. <laughs> like this, it's funny that like I think you were the only person that. I remember having a PS3 at the time. PS3 was important. Uh, our buddy Tyler got one later, but he literally bought it because it was cheaper than a Blu-ray player at the time. <laughs> and he just wanted to watch movies on it. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I, I don't even know if he has any games to it to this day. But um, yeah, I remember playing Little Big Planet with you a little bit, and it was like fine. But my big memories of your PS3 were Soul Calibur 3 and um, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, the game. Yeah. That, the, that, those were the important things that happened on PS3. Those were the important, those were the important games on that PS3. So, is if this is going to be, because like, you saw you could do with the four players, is that going to be like couch co-op or is that online co-op? That's, That's a good cool. question, because, you know, with the way that couch co-op kind of works in this generation, it's kind of ambiguous, right? And especially with the big-ass DualSense controller thing that they're trying to push, and it's like, how much are those controllers going to be? You know, are they going to be 80 bucks? Am I going to have to, you know, drop 200 bucks just to play four-player couch co-op if it is a feature? You know, it's... That's a kind of... Because I only have two PS4 controllers, and I barely play, like... Me and my wife played Diablo 3 co-op for a little bit, and that's literally the only multiplayer we've done on the PS4 since well, we got PS4, it. Not, not Nintendo. Yeah, because Nintendo has cheaper controllers. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, next piece uh, thing was uh, Destruction All-Stars which is this crazy-ass futuristic destruction derby where all the characters are luchadors, which to me kind of almost felt like it was trying to be the next Rocket League. It didn't look terrible, but like, it looked like it was trying to be Rocket League, but different, but the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, seems like the sort of thing that has a small chance of hitting it big and it is otherwise like 50-50 odds of just being forgettable or having like a tiny crazy rabid fan base. Uh, very giving. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Next thing was uh, Kina, the Bridge of Spirits, uh, where you're some sort of magic girl who helps little forest sprites and fights demons. Uh, the action looks like it's a mostly action-based game with Pikmin-esque elements where, like, you get these little tiny spirits that, like, you know, kind of fight with you. So it, it kind of reminded me of Pikmin gameplay in that, where you're like, you know, you got these little buddies and you use them as part of your attack pool or something. Not that it's... it, But they're all kind of the same, so it's not exactly like Pikmin's. But it... I don't know. I got kind of that vibe. Um, the, yeah. the aesthetic of this game was actually really, really cool, too. I was like... I almost was, like, gonna say that this has the coolest environments in the show, but then there was, like, something later that uh, had slightly cooler, more um, balls environments. It looks like... If uh, Disney Pixar was able to develop it almost. Right, it was yeah. very much like Pixar-esque. Yeah, maybe a little bit, yeah. That's a good kind of description. But maybe with like a little bit of a more Japanese flair, like Studio Ghibli or something, because the, the, the sprites, I feel like, are very uh, Japanese-feeling in uh, their aesthetic and stuff. Um, kind of... Uh, it really kind of remind me of the little forest spirits in Princess Mononoke specifically. That's a good fucking movie. I want to watch that again. Um, yeah. Next thing was Goodbye Volcano High, which is some sort of magical high school creature. You're like magical creatures in a high school drama, and then maybe you're in a band or something. I've got literally no fucking clue. This was so weird looking. It's the most anime video game premise I've heard. Yeah, wow. It's it's clearly like Western drawn. It's not anime style, but it it kind of almost does have an anime side sort of um, idea behind it. Next thing is Oddworld Soulstorm, which I didn't recognize at all, and my wife was like, "You've never played Oddworld." Oh, yeah. She's going to come over and talk to me about it. <laughs> so, uh, it is, either you play Oddworld? Uh, I played a demo of it back on the original Xbox when it was like Apes Oddworld or some shit like that. Right. But I honestly, I had repressed the fact that that game existed. Uh-huh. So, interesting. Can you hear? <laughs> no. <laughs> So what do you have to say about <laughs> Abe's Oddworld? Me? Or, or yeah. Okay. Does it look good? I am very excited, mainly because it brought my childhood back, like, in a hardcore fashion. <laughs> I was so excited. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Hardcore. Hardcore. <laughs> okay. It was so just... I was having flashbacks to my brother telling me what to do with these little minions of doom <laughs> that and how these bad guys that have like these claws and it was just so good i don't remember it's like <sighs> it is probably not even that good of a game but the <laughs> fact that i was playing it when i was a child makes it so much better like you know that's possible, because you, like, showed me, like, the first, like, opening cutscene of the game, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> They're going to eat them? 
I was like, no, that like that I saw coming a mile away, but yeah. it was like he didn't realize it until like way further in. And I well, was like, yeah, because dude, they're, they're gonna eat you. They're gonna make you meat. I get they're, it. They're I get stupid. It. They're stupid. But it's it's so I just I love the game when I was a kid, <laughs> and I hated it because I could never beat it. But then again, I was like six, you know, or I don't even know remember how old, but. It was one of those things where I could just play with my brother, and it was a bonding point with my brother. So I, I even texted him, Russell, we get this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He's like, that's great. I'll never afford it. I'm like, you can come and play at my house. He's not going to buy a PS5 at I, lunch because he's a college student or something? Because he, yeah, because it costs how much? Eight. Have we talked about that? They did not Holy reveal the shit. price. Uh, at what the is it going to be? Yeah. I'm willing to bet that it's going to be around five hundred. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of my like. If I was kind of expecting both Xbox Series X and uh, PlayStation Five to reveal right around that price, five hundred. You know, it now that they've kind of revealed that they've got two different systems, I'm like, okay, so maybe the one with the disc drive is going to be. Like, how much is a disk drive to add, though? Like, not that much more. I feel like you can't cut much off of that. Uh, and, but then I was like, also, like, the one without the disk drive might be more expensive because it might have more storage because it has to have more storage because it's digital only. So I'm like, I really don't not even know what to go on that. I mean, it, it doesn't have to, obviously, but it would be a lot more convenient on the consumer if you're going to go digital only to have two terabytes instead of one terabyte, for example. Yeah, but I mean, like, the Xbox One S, all digital is the same. Hi, Chris. Yeah. Hi. Terabytes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Keep on. Um, Bye-bye. I'm going to go play my Animal Crossing now. Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know what they're going to do exactly, but I imagine that both will be in the 500 to 550 range, maybe in the 550 to 600 range, depending on exact specific, you know, if it, if it comes out as a two terabyte, you know, I don't think people would be that choked up about dropping cool. 600, but maybe they still would. I don't know. Uh, I think they both came out and confirmed that the, the systems are only going to have one terabyte. Okay, I'm not the totally sure. Size of next gen games is not going to be. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, next reveal was Ghostwire Tokyo, which is some sort of first-person action game with um, crazy ninja magic, which had really badass cityscapes. So that was a really cool kind of a show-off for the next gen thing. Uh, anything else about Ghostwire Tokyo? Uh, I learned today, actually, that uh, Ikumi Nakamura, the lady that revealed it at E3 last year, uh -huh. uh, actually left the dev team. Huh. I was unaware of this. Interesting. I'm sad. Yeah. Uh, then there was something interesting looking, but I missed the name, but it looked neat. Uh, you're leaving the Earth to repopulate, and you explore alien planets and shit. That's what I wrote. 
I don't remember what it was called. Then there was Godfall. It looks slightly neater than it did at the Game Awards because the Game Awards trailer for this was like really bare bones. And this was like, okay, it's a lot of gameplay, but it looks like a lot of just like almost kind of generic hack and slash gameplay. And it's like, it looks fine. So I'm not like really super hype about it. Looks fine. Uh, Solar Ash is coming from the creators of Hyperlight Drifter. It's a 3D platformer with Healy roller skates. Um, okay. That's kind of what it looked like to me anyway. So, yeah. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't play Hyperlight Drifter, but I've heard a lot of good things, and it's one of those games that I've been kind of like in the back of my mind, like, yeah, get that one maybe eventually. Um, right. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Uh, Hitman 3 is coming out January 2021. Never played a Hitman game. They look Pretty fun. Good. I watched uh, the Hitman movie with Vin Diesel, but it was on TV, so it was probably like really cut and like bad. And I like barely remember anything. Like, like I'm pretty sure just it was Vin Diesel killing people. That's, that's all I remember. Some kind of new Astrobot thing. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Like they didn't really talk about this with VR because one of the big draws of Astrobot was VR. So like I'm wondering if VR is coming back on PS5 or if they're just kind of dropping it after this generation. No, it's coming back. They're uh, the current headsets are just going to be directly compatible with PS5. Are they? They may have like a revised headset, but the right. existing that will still work. Okay. Um, the main thing about the new Astro game is it's going to be, like, focusing more on the dual sets and what the controller can really do. Right. Like they're going to put it through its, you know, phases. Right. One of those things like Wii Sports or Nintendo Land where it's like, this is what the console yeah. does! Exactly. Right. <clears throat> Little Devil Inside. Um had tons of disconnected scenes i have no idea what was going on maybe you're fighting bad shit inside a dude's body i don't know it's fucking weird is literally the text that i wrote last night when i watched this interesting no fucking clue it's like just looks weird like might be good no fucking clue uh nba 2k 21 had the best character models in the show I thought they looked fucking cool. I'm not going to buy it because I don't care about sports games, like, barely at all. Really sweaty. It was really sweaty. <laughs> um, next reveal was bug snacks. The bugs are snacks. It looks like that really looks cheap cool. production. It's like... It looks like the stupidest... One of the weirdest trailers of the event. My, my wife says it's the stupidest trailer she's ever seen. Uh, yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, I'm sure there's an audience for this somewhere, but, like, I don't know what the fuck it... It's like, it starts out, it's like, okay, there's a strawberry with googly eyes, and then this dude eats it, and then I guess he's on an island full of all sorts of weird shit like this? Whatever. Mm. Demon Souls is coming out for PS5, um, all badass and upgraded and shit. Did you play Demon Souls, Crow? I did not, but I will play this new one. Yeah, it looks I'll pretty play. cool. That might be, uh, although I said that about, you know, Dark Souls Remastered on Switch. I was like, oh, maybe I'll get into it. And then I, 
you know, still haven't. Although Bloodborne is on sale right now, so I was thinking of getting into Bloodborne to get kind of into this sort of series because Bloodborne is like ten bucks right now on PlayStation Network. So it's like maybe I'll I have, have to yet do that. From game. That's okay. I bet you're probably one of most you know from soft fans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Deathloop is the next thing coming out from Bethesda, some sort of an assassin action game with a Team Fortress 2 sort of aesthetic and interesting items. Uh, you try to kill eight guys by midnight, but there's rival assassins and you restart every time you die. So it's kind of interesting that there's like two of these when you die, it's Groundhog Day kind of games in the same thing but uh, it's like eh, this is kind of interesting I, I i really kind of dig the aesthetic it it really brings back some of that team fortress 2 vibe but it's like a little bit darker and edgier uh, especially with the kind of context of what's going on in the game and it looks kind of interesting so i'm i'm um, a little skeptical because i'm like is it like a online multiplayer something weird like bethesda has been you know not like successful with or or is it like you're just versus weird npcs and then i'm like would that be as cool i don't know it's ambiguous and strange what are you saying girl i feel like it's gonna be an online game could be yeah um so looks neat i have to see uh resident evil 8 had a trailer. Bum, bum, bum. It's called Village. Uh, creepy ha creepy shit happens, and Chris Redfield shoots stuff. So the subtitle is Village. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I feel when like the, we've when, it, when the trailer came out, it was like Village was like all it said, and I was like, because uh, it it didn't actually reveal Chris Redfield or anything. It or, or, or even really zombies. It was like, just like this creepy shit happening in this game. And I was like really into it. I had no idea it was even related to Resident Evil from the start of the trailer. I, um, I thought it was an outlast. Yeah, something. And it's, uh, then you kind of get into it and it's like village. And you're like, okay, this is kind of interesting because you're in this village where all this creepy shit is happening. And you're kind of talking to all these different people in the village. And then... Uh, it zooms on to the village and then the V-I-L-L kind of moves over and it becomes the letter 8 in Roman numerals. Woo! Because it's Resident Evil 8. So it's a cool reveal trailer. I like the way that they went over it. And then Chris Redfield comes out and he just like is like, I'm Chris Redfield. I'm going to shoot shit. Blam. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm mostly just making fun of the subtitle. I, I, I feel like, like, it, <laughs> after you go with, like, Biohazard or Nemesis, uh -huh. uh, Village seems strangely underwhelming. Right. Uh, Pragmata is a team where you are a spaceman who teams up with a little girl when gravity fucks up and puts you on the moon. Huh. I think. Not totally. Hard to tell. Yeah, I'm just like, it's pretty trippy looking stuff. I'm like, it's kind of neat. You're on the moon now with this little girl. Hey, you're fucking breathing. I mean, you're in a <laughs> spacesuit, but how's she fucking breathing? What's going on? I don't think she's a human. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell because she's got like weird powers and shit. So, looks neat. 
And final big old thing uh, is uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is a sequel to Horizon V... Zero Dawn. Brain fart. Oh, yeah. I, have to, I have to drink. My drink card's still under my printer. I keep meaning to... I have to drink twice because I still haven't got my drink card back. Um... So yeah, totally best graphics in show. Every single fucking moment of this trailer looks fucking amazing. Um, like no contest. Um, this looks great. It's uh looks like as explorable as the first one, plus underwater exploration. Like Aloy gets like this breather mask thing, and you can go underwater and explore shit and swimming with like robot crocodiles, and you're just like fuck. This is cool. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping it kind of overcomes the couple of very slight shortcomings of the first game. I didn't like that as well as a lot of people did, but it's, it was a really big hit with most people and I still liked it pretty well. It was a pretty good game, but, um, you can yeah. ride the robots. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's going to be pretty sweet. <clears throat> um, Chris, you gonna pick up a five, uh, PS5 for Horizon? For uh, well, I didn't pick up a PS4 for Horizon, so right, probably not. You gonna pick up a PS5 after this uh, whole conference here? Uh, maybe. It's a little far off for me to right, yeah. plan on. Pick. I I, I want to see. I want to see how well the games hold together. I I I. I launch things I feel like there's a lot of things that happen at launch that end up not being as good as advertised and and yeah. the Wii launch is like a good example of that uh -huh. because that was one of those things I did pick up at launch mm. uh, and then a lot of the things on it just like like uh, Red Steel were not uh, what they were cracked up to be right yeah, but then you got, like, Twilight Princess, which was exactly what you wanted. Yeah, I did get Twilight Princess, that's true. So, And you got Twilight Princess a month before me, because I didn't get a Wii at launch. I got it in, like, February or March or something after that. Well, it wasn't long after launch, so... Not only that, I got Twilight Princess before uh, the Wii was released. Oh, did you? Not that I can play it. Yeah, I got it about three days before I got a Wii. <laughs> And I got the Wii on launch day. It, it just got delivered to me earlier. It's like, huh, what do I do with this now? <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could play this, right? <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. All right. So anyways, I guess we'll get into our video game topic if we're uh, all done with the news and booze. So uh, I guess our last final piece of news and booze is me rating this beer, which is like, oh, I'm just not having it i'm just like i don't know this is so generic so like i don't know there's not even like generic flavor it's like it's not bad but i i have nothing to say about it at all i have no idea how to even describe it it's just like beer it's like the bud of ipas that's not a wow. good thing but yeah fucking like four awesome Damn. So I got another one, so we're okay. But let's get into our table topic. Uh, no, fuck. What are we doing? 
video games, right? Video games and then table topic. So video games, we're going to talk about mods and shit. So all kinds of mods, uh, are mods appropriate? Are mods illegal? Are mods morally complicating? Well, and other kind actually... of things, you know, have you done any fun mods? Have you done any weird mods? Or, or you know, what kind of a lot about mods uh, is basically our topic. It's a broad topic. Well, it? well, I what I actually wanted to get on about was um, mods on multiplayer games. Uh -huh. Kind of like the mods that people... Because you mentioned uh, mods on WoW. Yeah, I did. Uh, when uh, we were kind of picking the topics earlier, yeah. So I, w I was wondering, uh, at what point, uh, when you apply a mod to a multiplayer game, uh, is it bad for you to do that? What, at what point should you not be doing that? And I'm not talking... And yeah, I don't know. I didn't do a lot of different. mods when I was playing WoW, but um, I had a couple that, like, I started with no mods, uh, you know, because I'm just like, I, I've, that's almost the only game I've ever modded. I've done mods on a very, very small selection of games, but most of the mods I've got, I got for WoW, because when I was big into WoW, you know, I'd get, um, uh, Deadly Boss Mods was a really, really popular one. Um, which kind of gives you, like, a heads up of, like, the boss is casting this spell, so you need to ready your counter spell, or, you know, stuff like that. It's like, it would give you, like, big pop-up messages to tell you, like, what's going on and how you might react to it, or, like, um, you know, it would give you, like, the boss summoned this ad. You should focus this ad right now instead of focusing the boss. Stuff like that. And so it's like, it's... You know, little strategic things that are maybe kind of hints, but it it kind of helped you kind of, like, point you in the right, like, okay, what should I be attacking right now? Should I be focusing a different thing? Uh, should I be countering something else? Should I be ready? You know, should I get out of the fire or something? You know, stuff like that. And I had another mod that was called Recount, which was a kind of a cool mod because it tracked the different damage numbers that uh, various players and their characters would do against various enemies and how much damage they would take from various enemies and stuff like that. And so, like, I could use Recount and, like, post it to the chat and stuff, and it would give me data of, like... Uh, who is doing the most damage, who is doing the most damage per second, who is attacking this enemy, who is attacking that enemy at the right time so that I could point out to people in, like, when I was raiding and stuff, like, oh, hey, you know, like, they're questioning my damage numbers. I'm like, hey, these are my damage numbers. You know, I was, like, pretty much, uh, you know, top of my charts pretty much all the time. You know, if I found another really good DPS... Uh, they might, you know, run with me, but in general, I was one of the best DPSs that I ever raided with in just random pickup groups is mostly what I did. Um, and I, and I don't think there's a problem with that yeah. in like PVE. I, I wouldn't say there's, but, um, when you switch to PVP, does that give you an unfair competitive advantage? Um, uh, deadly boss mods might, I guess, if it's tracking like, oh, this character over here is using this spell, then it potentially could, I guess. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't do as much PVP in WoW. Um, so it, 
it theoretically could have, I guess, because it, it can tell you, like, the boss is using this spell and this spell. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was, in even deadly boss mods, if it would do that for PvP. Or if there was another mod that specifically was catered to PvP. Because I feel like deadly boss mods was mostly catered towards PvE. Uh, where it's like... Yeah. Hey, the, the Lich King is using this spell. You're going to want to, you know, get out of the way or the firewall is going to kill you all or he's going to knock you back, or is, you know, whatever, whatever. Stand out of the fire. Yeah, a lot of it was that kind of thing when you're doing different raids and stuff. Like, uh, you're in the fire and, and that was a lot of what I would do with Recount too is I would be like, uh, you know, when, when characters would die before a wipe, I would, like, look at the recount data of how much damage they took, and I'd be like, you guys took a whole buttload of damage from the fire that you were standing in for five fucking minutes! <laughs> so I was like, okay, you are clearly standing in the fire, you know? And, and there was another mechanic, specifically in the Lich King fight, where he summons, like, these two Valkyries, and if you don't kill them, then they run away, and if they get away, then the Lich King gets an insane buff and he's almost impossible to kill. So you have to kill the Valkyries right away, as soon as they spawn. It's like, stop hitting the Lich King, hit those Valkyries right away. And I was like, like the one DPS in most pickup groups that would understand that you, you should do this, and like... Then I'd post the recount data. Like, I'm the, literally the only person that hit these. You know, sometimes one of two people that hit these Valkyries at all. And I I could, like, take down 50% of one of their hit points. But not all of one of them. And certainly not all of both of them. So, literally, you have to have multiple people dedicated to hitting these things. And it, it was such a weird thing, because in every pickup group raid I did for the Lich King, everybody was like, hit the Valkyries, hit the Valkyries, hit the Valkyries. You know, in uh, Ventrilo, we used to use for voice chat. Everybody's like, hit the Valkyries, hit the Valkyries. And, you know, they're like, I'm hitting the Valkyries, I'm hitting the Valkyries. And then I post the recount data. I'm like, I'm literally the only fucking person in the party with the fucking Valkyries. The fuck you talking about? You hit the Valkyries. I got fucking proof, dickheads. Hit the fucking Valkyrie. <laughs> Watch how it really feel. Right. <laughs> and most of the other mods I've used were in Minecraft when I did a little bit of Minecrafting back in the day. I got some mods that like made like a Legend of Zelda package and. Like, it made, like, all the interiors look like Link to the Past, and your sword was, like, double helix Majora's Mask thing. Aesthetic mods, I'm just like, what the fuck ever. I don't even care. Yeah. Do them. I've done my fair share of modding. Um, I mod single-player games a lot. Like, Skyrim and XCOM, I've modded to hell and back. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, you know, whatever. They're single-player games. Go and do what you want to do. Um, multiplayer games, I don't mod a whole lot. Uh, every once in a blue moon, I will. Like, I did back when I played Minecraft back in the day. Um, I had a handful of mods. They were mostly, like, UI and aesthetic mods. Uh -huh. uh, I guess the only one that you could really consider, uh, like, maybe a thing that would be cheating to give me an advantage is I had a minimap. Yeah. Um but so long as I didn't use the thing that let me see players, like if I turn the radar off, 
it was literally just a mini map like you would see in a lot of single player games. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you can make a map and use it, so it's like it's just a slightly right. more convenient user interface right. way to interact with that. I guess you could say, like in, in QuakeCraft, for example, I played a lot of Quake. Hmm. Um, I was pretty damn good at it. I guess you could say that like I had an advantage because I knew where like all the corridor turns were and which ones were dead ends and which ones weren't. But that didn't change the fact that like I couldn't be watching my map the whole time because otherwise I'd get shot. Um, right. The only time I've ever like done anything that would give me an unfair advantage over people is in a, when I played GTA. Um, I you. I used to do a lot of GTA. Like, it's my most played game on Steam right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a lot of the gun running when they added that update. Because it was the easiest way to make money. Uh -huh. um, but anybody who plays GTA Online knows that the community there is one of the shittiest in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, the people there go on to play to be scumbags. Like, for the pure purpose of being scumbags. So... I got sick of it, and so I got a mod that just made it so I couldn't get shot. And that was it. Not to fight other people, because I didn't care about PvP. My KDR was like .01. Um, <laughs> but just so I wouldn't get interrupted by doing my missions. And uh. Rockstar, and this is why I hate Rockstar as a company, the first infraction with a mod, they banned my account for six months, and they wiped it completely. Like, all my save data, wow. all the money that I spent on it, like, I dropped a fair amount of money into that game. All of it just gone in an instant. Wow. The no fuck? refunds, no second chance, no chance to appeal, nothing. They were just like, ha, fuck you. Mm -hmm. So, I don't like Rockstar. And if that company goes under and burns to the ground tomorrow, I will never shed a tear. Yeah. I can see that. So... Like, yes, what I did was wrong, and I could understand the ban. Like, if I if they just banned me for six months, like, all right, guess I'm not doing that again. Mm -hmm. But to take away everything that I fucking paid for... Yeah, that's no. kind of bullshit. With, like, you fucking paid money for that shit and stuff? That's, like... Like, how Monster do they expect to keep you as a customer? Yeah, it's like in, in, without even a warning, or and and like a six month ban is fairly harsh, but like I can almost I see it because you know from their perspective, obviously the worry would be that you were you know impeding right. other players. Like, so I can I can almost justify that you know because they they probably don't have the manpower to individually look at every single case, obviously, but. At the same time, to, like, give you a six-month ban and just fucking take all your shit that you've paid money for, it's like, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. They're, Rockstar is a very shitty company. <laughs> Next beer of the week is Sun Lion Lime Wheat, uh, which a is... wild-ass case. Yeah. Or can. Yeah. Uh, this is from Lumpy Ridge Brewing Company, which is my favorite little brewery in uh, Estes Park, Colorado. It's a little tiny touristy mountain town. Uh, Lumpy Ridge is like awesome little brewery that's like right off the main drag in an old gas station that when they started up, they like, I'm sure they didn't have the capital to 
you know, take out the gas pumps and stuff. So they just built around it. And so the whole aesthetic of this place is a fucking gas station. And, like, their tasting room is literally at the pumps. I'm like, this is just fucking fun. It's a cool little brewery. They make good fucking shit. So, uh, yeah. Lumpy pumpkin. Or lumpy lime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not bad. I'm not huge into wheat beers, but it's all right. It's a little limey. I'll be right back. And Crow will be right back. So, Chris, do you got anything else to say on Moz and shit? Uh, I, I probably should have suggested narrowing the topic down a bit more, but I was also thinking about... Could be. Uh, there, there are mods for, like, multiplayer games that I think are... that do give you, like slight competitive advantage that are just, you know, they're tacitly accepted. Uh-huh. Uh, so there, there's clearly there's clear, clearly some leeway. Uh, yeah. In Dead by Daylight, there's a mod, I think it's called Even Better Lobbies, where it lets you know who the killer is before the game starts. Hmm. Which is like a really, it's, it's a microscopic advantage. But it it is still an advantage. It would like, and if they were a killer that was vulnerable to like a flashlight or something, uh, it could let you change how you load it out. Okay. But uh, it's it seems like the sort of thing that should be done on a case by case basis. Yeah. Uh, speaking of single player games, uh, I love mods. I love modding single I love games that have lots of mod support. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skyrim always it's probably why Skyrim so well liked is because it has tens of thousands of mods for it. Uh, basically in a single player Bethesda game. Right. I always feel a little sad when there's some single player PC game that doesn't have a easy way of modding. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Disgaea ports of PC don't have much in the way of ability to mod them. Yeah. As mostly a console yeah. gamer, it's kind of a funny thing to me because I'm just like, I don't do much PC gaming and I've, even out of the PC gaming I've done, most of the games I haven't even modded. It's just not really a thing that ever crosses my mind. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I almost feel like if a game needs mods to be good, then it's a bad game. Cause that's the, which is a, an argument that I've almost had about Skyrim, where I don't think Skyrim is a bad game, but I've had people be like, I love Skyrim because you can mod the fuck out of it. And I'm just like, is that all you do? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, what? That's like so, just something that doesn't even compute to me. And it's like, sure, you know, if you want to enjoy that kind of game that way, then... Sure, you know, no more power to you, but it, it's just such an alien concept to me that the only good thing about a game is its modability. So it's not the only good thing about Skyrim, but PC Skyrim with the ability to mod it and Skyrim on console, it, they're two totally different things. Because one game, you could be like, all right, I want to complete download a mod that completely overhauls the magic system and makes it do different things, mm-hmm. and then lets me start in like a different area, a mod that lets me start in a different area, and a mod that adds all these quests 
uh, like there's the Skywind project that yeah. is basically a total overhaul to Skyrim that lets you play through Morrowind. I have seen that, so, and I'm like, that looks pretty cool. Like, I would legit buy Morrowind if it came out in the Skyrim engine, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I fucking love Morrowind. But that's, you know, that's because I fucking love Morrowind. You know, I'm not gonna mod Skyrim to make it Morrowind. I'd rather just play Morrowind. I, I don't know. Is that... Is that weird? I, I mean, that's not weird, but it's just... There's a different attitude there, I think. Right. It's like... For me, a lot of the, the potential for a game... Like, say, Minecraft which is a good game in its own right, is uh, the potential for mods to change it radically. Right. Because then you can get things like, I think it's a Thaumaturgy mod, where you basically go on a quest to be a wizard <laughs> and do alchemy and all sorts of really interesting shit. <laughs> uh, so... I think, in terms of mods, have you guys ever seen the, uh, or played Subnautica? you know about that game? I have not played Subnautica. But do you know of it, at least? Yes, I know of it. Uh, for PC, there is a mod, uh, called Nitrous, I believe? Or Nitrox. Uh, they are working on a multiplayer mod for Subnautica. I'm very excited. That's one of the cases where, like, it takes an already really good game and makes it twice as good. I mean, what's not great with friends? That's true, because I've seen, like, multiplayer mods for some games, and some of those I'm like, okay, that might be kind of neat. Uh, I saw one, actually, for um, Ocarina of Time. They kind of look kind of cool. I was like, eh, that might be kind of neat to play Ocarina of Time as a co-op game. Um, that, that was a kind of an interesting one though. Cause I think it made it like, a like a 16 player game or something. And I was like, 16 might be more than you would really need in an Ocarina of Time game, but you know, yeah. two or three might be cool, <laughs> but it, it was pretty hilarious to watch like 16 different links run around through the world. I see a lot of those aesthetic mods for, like, Breath of the Wild, too, um, where it's like, oh, now I'm, you know, going to put in Mario, and he'll be the main antagonist. Or uh, There was one when the whole Bowsette thing was was big that uh, you could be Bowsette in Breath of the Wild, and I was like, I am sure there are a lot of people that are just, like, living their wet dream right now, but... Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. Forgot to introduce my hat. I got a new hat because um, I've been doing the hat thing. So this is my Mount Rushmore hat because I went to Mount Rushmore and it was cool. Because whenever I get a road trip, I get a new hat because it's, it's a tradition. I inexplicably started one time on a road trip. Anywho, anything else to say on mods and shit? Uh, lots more, but I think we've actually probably run out of time on it. 
yeah, we're going to run a little long on this podcast anyway, so uh, any closing thoughts if you want, but... We hit two hours and 30 minutes or something like that. Closed in on three hours. Hour 42 right now. Hour 42? Yeah, one hour 42 so far, so... Okay. Oh, I get. It. I thought you meant like forty-two hours. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for days. <laughs> yeah, not quite that bad. Anyways, so uh, let's get into our table topic for the day. Um, so this is an interesting one. Uh, is there a correct ratio of dungeon master preparedness to total BS? Because I feel like in order to be a successful dungeon master, you have to be okay at both. But I've also seen a lot of cases to suggest that if you're really heavy one way or the other, it also works. So, um, for example, um, my brother... Yeah, uh, my brother Josh is really just a fly by the seat of his pants. Like, I don't think he's ever written a single note of... Uh, preparation in his life. He he comes up with the story on the fly, he comes up with the bad guys on the fly and their abilities, and he's just got, you know, enough of a mind for that kind of DMing that he makes it work somehow. Um, and it, it really comes off as a different kind of a thing than it does when you have a really highly prepared person. But it's, it's still fun, it's still, like, very playable, uh, and, and I think there's a lot of merit to it. But at the same time, you know, uh, I feel like you don't get as deep stories as you do with, uh, like, a buddy of ours, Owen, who came on the podcast once uh, quite a while ago. Um, I've been meaning to talk to him and get him back on the podcast. But um, he's, like, a super hardcore prepared GM. Um, and I, I actually, as an example, I had a session I was playing with him yesterday. Uh, we've been doing a Thursday session and he's got kind of this, like, we're kind of this like little regiment of army troops and we're kind of moving through this area, trying to secure something. And we end up like getting into a skirmish with some other troops and we accidentally start a fire and because of how prepared he is he's like oh there's this other group of troops that are you know enemies to us that are right in the area if they saw a fire they would come here so then he kind of starts that encounter and and he has no idea that it's going to happen exactly but um we're all just like okay we'll we'll just kind of get out of the area make stealth checks kind of hide away while they're you know investigating the fire um but one of them rolls just literally a natural one on his stealth check and so he kind of role played it through he's like i'm gonna stand in the middle of the road and pretend that i took down this entire battalion of troopers by myself and we're like okay that's kind of cool uh, as, as a role play thing, I thought it was really cool, but, uh, then it, it, it led to this combat that literally the, he had no idea what would happen, but he was so prepared that he had the combat stats for all of these random guys that were happened to be like, you know, a few hundred feet away or, or whatever through the forest that happened to see this f fire 
because of the way that the patrol routes are because he's that much of a like planning forward dm so so uh i think this is the point where i break in and i say i think that uh a good dm does just enough prep uh to give their players a broad amount of options mm-hmm. and uh let and supplement their improvisation so my guess is he had the stats for he's like you never know when you'll need like a generic troop guy so i'm just gonna have a uh, set of stats for a generic troop guy and having those stats on hand let him improvise that encounter yeah to an extent but it it did also have uh like a kind of a boss so to speak um that was like their regimental leader and he was like this somewhat unique character that had uh like his big thing was that he commanded two bears and three wolves um and they were like his kind of animal companions almost and so he would do his various you know dual wielding techniques and as well he would command his uh, animals to attack and he was fairly deadly because of that uh we actually ended up losing two characters uh because of this impromptu encounter nice. Um, but it was, uh, you could tell that, like, you've played with Owen enough to know that he, he's like the kind that goes above and beyond in terms of preparation, too. Yes, that's true. I, he, he prepares more than I think I would these days. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, for running a game. Uh, but I will say that, uh, imagine you as a DM, you're like, I don't know what the players are going to do. I'm just going to say, here are locations they can go. Here's things happening in those locations, like one sentence of description. Uh, uh-huh. That, And then I'm going to have, like, some... Guy, I'm like, here's some generic stat blocks, and, like, here's some generic... Here's some if you're, like, fighting, like, a real combat-heavy campaign, you're like, here's some boss guys that seem like they'd be interesting encounters mm-hmm. that I can just throw in when I need to. And then suddenly, uh, wherever they go, you can whip up something interesting that still respects their choices because you can be like, it makes sense that they'd encounter like this boss encounter here uh, because they did the thing that would provoke this. Uh, But you didn't actually have to do that much prep either. Right. You just needed to do like a basic groundwork. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Crow, do you have any experience with DMing or um, any kind of uh, anecdotal evidence that uh, one is superior to the other? Or uh, is there one you prefer based on your various role-playing experience? I don't have any experience from a DM perspective. Like, I'm still still studying up, uh, learning how to do it first before I jump into it. So, right. this will be a good question for me in, like, two months once I've got a handful of campaigns on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had always imagined, based on just how I am as a person, um, as well as like my management style, uh, um, I would be leaning more towards the preparedness type of thing. Not like fully prepared, but like what Chris is talking about. Like, here's a couple of loose things that I can sort of just 
fit together like a jigsaw puzzle inside of, okay, they're in this situation and this thing happened, here's here's an encounter for you. Or, yeah. oh, you said to go up the west side of the town? Uh, here's a here's a cave. Go see what's in there. Have fun. Mm. So just sort of have, have some set pieces, but piece the story together as I go along. Yeah, um, I kind of take a little bit of the same approach as a DM. Uh, I kind of make a generic idea of notes, and I'm like... I kind of point them in a direction of a dungeon, which is not always a dungeon per se. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, this or that. But it's, I, I always make them in the formula of a dungeon where it's like, okay, you go into the area and then there's some kind of puzzles and combat that you have to get through and you fight a boss at the end. So I, I design everything from the idea of a dungeon, even if it's, you know, not a traditional dungeon. You know, sometimes it's like breaking into police headquarters to break somebody out. Sometimes it's, you know, different weird stuff like that. Um, or, you know, sometimes I accidentally have that come up when, uh, like, um, you know, somebody got arrested and you had to break them out. Uh, that was, I think you played in that campaign, Chris. That was one of our super system ones, wasn't it? Where you had to break one of your guys out of jail. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think exactly, yeah, how, how exactly that went. But it was something along those lines where, like, I had made this uh, kind of dungeon for you guys to go into. And then... Uh, er like some of the players like decided to get captured in order to break in there uh and then broke out of the cell and then started causing havoc and everything while the other half of the party like came in and was trying to break in to break them out but they had already broken out and stuff like that uh i don't remember exactly but anyways yeah generally what i do is i kind of a little bit shoehorn your way to the dungeon, you know, allude to, oh, there's treasure over here, or, you know, whatever story point is over here, and usually the players pick up the hook, but sometimes they don't, and, uh, you know, if they don't, then I'm just, like, not that big of a deal. I, I always kind of have an idea of what everybody's going to go on. So what, I, what one of the things I do as a DM is I prepare, like, a few ideas of what the players might do, and then when they inevitably do something else, I have enough of an idea of what the NPCs and the enemies will react to the, f you know, first few ideas that I came up with that I can wing an idea that the players came up with and, and, and figure out their reaction based off of that because I know enough about the... That's, that's about where I get to. I'm like, okay, I know how they would react to this and this and this. So if they do something else, I can, I can f kind of fudge it and be like, okay, so they do this. Okay. Cause that's yeah. one of the things is player characters are infinitely unpredictable. Uh, I do not think I have ever had a situation where as a DM, I prepared something and the players just went with it piece for piece for piece and just like followed the story that I had laid out and we're like, okay, let's follow exactly the, you know, laid out path like a, a video game will sometimes, you know. They're always like, okay, I'm going to investigate this thing randomly. I'm going to go, you know, check out what else is going on in the town. Sometimes they're just like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, random encounter chart. Whee! 
So that brings up kind of an in, uh, and the random encounter chart is a form of prep that lets you just riff off of things too. Yeah, because I have several lab. random blank charts that I'm just like I roll a D percent and see what happens, you know. So I have a random encounter chart. I have uh, uh, random stuff to put in a dungeon chart, you know, just in case I they go into a random like cave or dungeon that I haven't actually prepped that I'm just like, okay, I need something. I, 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 you know, I made a chart for that so that I could just, you know, wing it. So it's, it's like a little bit wing it. It's a little bit prep because I, I made all that and I came up with all that random dumb stuff that most of it is like stuff that I would probably never have the chance to put in a real dungeon. So why the fuck not? I'll put it in here wherever, <laughs> you know, if they're just like, uh, let's find a cave. We, we find a cave. Okay, there's uh, D4 goblins in it. Y y or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think... Let's see. I, I, I don't know if you... There's a good way of showing this, but I posted a little image in chat of something I prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... Is um, a little point crawl where it's they had a destination, they had a time limit, they had roads to travel along and towns in between those roads, little destinations, and there was always something interesting. They would there was like a one sentence description for things they could encounter along the road, so okay. it didn't actually take that long to prep. Yeah. Uh. And one sentence description is enough to like improvise off of if you want to run something. Is it is it bad that when I see when I saw the High Kingdom of Lumina, my brain autocorrected to the Holy Kingdom of Vargas? Problems <laughs> <laughs> on my brain. Yeah, uh, I mean, this isn't like out of place. This game. So this, the funny thing about this game is I described it as one-third Breath of the Wild, one-third Kenshi, and one-third Fire Emblem. Okay. Makes me feel better. So, you're, you're not too off-base there. Uh, but, I think the most important thing you could do for uh, correctness, correct improvisation or bullshit ratio to preparedness is let your let your prep just kind of be a seed to riff off of and if the players go in a totally different direction than you're expecting then just go with what they're doing and figure out a way to f figure out how the world might react to that based off of the prep you've already done and if you've got absolutely nothing, you can be like, hey guys, I need a break to figure out what the fuck you're doing. To, mm. to, to figure out what's off in this direction. I wasn't expecting you guys to be like, you go off on this map, there's stuff that is filled in. Like, if they went far to the west, they were like, fuck this thing. I'm, I'm gonna go from Kale Traffers off to, to the west. I'd be like, alright, let me figure out uh, what you encounter along the way. Give me like 15 minutes. And then I will have time to do more in-depth prep next time. Uh, I'm not really digging this beer. I'm kind of, I'm kind of 
regretting plugging this pub so much. I'm like, I, I normally I really like the Lumpy Ridge, but this one is just like kind of bleh. I'm, like, I'm just, I'm just not having. I'm not big into wheat beers, and I thought, oh, maybe a lime wheat beer will be nice and refreshing. But no, it's it pretty. Especially as it like is kind of warming up a little as I drink it, it's getting pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm not having a good beer day. Kind of lame. I'm gonna have some. Like when I started, I think this was like a eight was like meh, but now I'm like it's a fucking like three or four it's it's just like getting on to me where i'm just like i don't want to really drink it anymore but i feel like i have to Yo. so i think i've said the thrust of what i wanted to say on this topic yeah um so and we really answered the question is there a correct amount or is it just like whatever works for you works for you as long as it works for you and the party? The correct amount is the amount that allows you to run a fun, interesting game for your party. And mm -hmm. I think for the vast majority of people, that should probably, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, that should be a light amount of like broad prep that you can use to improvise off the rest of yeah yeah all right um anything else to say on that crow um on the table topic in general what was that i said i think that about covers it really yeah largely said my piece yeah, I, I think it really varies between DM and DM because obviously I've seen like both sides of the spectrum where it's like I do no prep and I do all the prep and both of them have their merits and I think most DMs probably strike a middle ground in between where it's like we've got a vague idea how stuff could work so when stuff inevitably doesn't go to plan we know how stuff you know we know how to figure out how stuff will work on the fly because we've done enough prep yeah so it's not really a correct amount of preparedness to bs i i think a good dm has to be able to intertwine both i i think maybe the best way to put this is that you have to prepare enough that your bs will fly and based on how good your bs is you might need more of that and you might need less of that. And not, not to say that, like, if you over-prepare that you, you know, aren't very good at BSing and making stuff up on the fly, but, you know, maybe that's not... There it, it, it really also danger. depends on spy, style, yeah. There is a danger in over-preparation in that someone who over-prepares might not be able to improvise at all, which is... 100% a necessary skill for a DM. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's if they go to a town uh, if they're like uh, if your players decide to go to a town that's not on the map uh, that but should exist you need to be able to figure that out. You can't just be like no, no, you have to stay here or 
uh, filler content. And if that means you've got to take 10 minutes to prep up like some basic things you can run about the town, then do that. Mm -hmm. But you need to be able... You need to be prepared for them to... Uh, the players to just ruin your plans. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I have about over-preparing is that I've had situations where I didn't feel over-prepared, but the players still, like, went completely bypassed what I did have prepared, right? So it's like they went a different direction that I couldn't anticipate that I couldn't shoehorn into what I had prepared. I've had this several times where it's like I've prepared, you know, a fair amount of content here that I'm ready for them to do that I feel like I can consider, you know, reasonably you know, push them into the dungeon or whatever, but then sometimes they'll just be like, no, we're not going to pick up that plot hook. We're going to go to this other, you know, completely unrelated thing, uh, or we're going to bypass your entire adventure somehow or another. Not that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that as players, but it's sometimes as, as the DM, it just really takes you back and you're just like, what do? <laughs> um, and so with over preppers that do a lot of prep i can't imagine like uh sometimes i'm like wondering like how much of this prep time is wasted you know not that it's necessarily wasted because you might use it but how much of this you know prep that you've done is never going to see the light of day you know in in some of these really high prep kind of dm scenarios yeah there's a certain I, I feel like DMs that prepare a lot and I and know how it feels to have 90% of that prep goes to waste mm -hmm. which kind of sucks yeah it's something weird to me where I've like I've had 90% of my prep go to waste and I'm like I can't imagine like over prepping every session so much that that happens every you know once a week <laughs> yeah and it's also worth having like oh yeah one one more thing is it's good to, if for whatever system you run it's good to have like a toolbox of stuff you can just pull out of yeah if you're like we're going to a random town you're like uh, I have a random town generator I'm going to roll on mm -hmm. Uh, it's got, uh, it's got infamously smelly fish in a desert region. It's an oasis town. Okay, cool. We're good. <laughs> uh, and, uh, the, the, there's a secret death cult in the town. I'm not supposed to read that part out loud. Whoops. <laughs> Sometimes I've had that where I've, like, read, read aloud, or, or non-read aloud text out loud and been like, oh, fuck. And sometimes I've actually written it in because of that, like, to read dumb shit into the read-aloud text, like, a DC-16 spot check will reveal that this guy is hiding right here. Oh, wait, this was supposed to be non-italicized to indicate that it's not read-aloud text. Oh, well, I guess you Gotta can all it. roll spot checks. <laughs> Anywho, uh, I think that's that. Yeah. 
So, thank you for joining us on Drink to the Past. Uh, we'll be back next week with me and Chris and maybe other people. We'll see. Um, depends on what's going on and all that stuff. So, uh, let's all shill our shit. So, Crow, tell them about yourself and your various doings. I do many things, but so far I have done nothing. <laughs> I tried to do YouTube and Twitch and two guys playing Zelda and still working on the brand name but i'm always crow sometimes it's crowbird or crowbird cannon or changed my channel name recently to crow jl uh long story on that i'll get into that another day um but yeah you can you can find me around if you check the like subscribe channels list on drink to the past you can find me there uh but i also write for two guys playing zelda Sometimes. It's been like a year since I've done that, because so I'm working on a big thing. And once I get moved into my new house, and I get my office set up, then I can actually start doing shit again. So soon, I've been saying for the last few months, but hopefully right. for real Yep. Yeah. And of course, good old co-host Chris. Hi, I'm Chris, still angry about cur current events. Uh, Audet. Uh, uh, Kermit. What, what was it? Kermit? Kermit portents. Kermit portents. What Kermit's, Kermit? What portents Kermit does this sense? Kermit hold? Kermit sense. Uh, yeah, you can find an adventure I wrote that's compatible, broadly compatible with D and D, uh, on Drive Through RPG. It's called House of Flowers. You can pick that up for whatever price you like. You can also pick up Five Cataclysms Core Rules Beta Edition, which is a role-playing game in its own right. Uh. Uh, co-written by me and another guy who sometimes shows up on this podcast. Uh, that's also pay what you want. Still, it's like the equivalent of early access for tabletop RPGs. Uh, we, my co-author there has also written uh, quite a few adventures of his own. That They all cost money, but I would say most or all of them are worth the price, and then some. Like, you can get some good fucking dungeons. And those are available on DriveThruRPG. Under the publisher name Five Cataclysms, which I should probably say. So yeah, go check those out. And of course, as always, I'm your host of Drink to the Past, John Michael Patrick Thompson. Uh, you can find me on TwoGuysPlayingZelda.com. I published a thing a little bit ago, and I've been working on some things occasionally, unlike Crow. I'm trying. <laughs> Leave me alone. You know, shit happens. It's, it's fine. Um, but you can find some of my stuff over on TwoGuysPlayingZelda.com, and as well as the TGPZ gaming site. Um, so check us out there. Uh, also, just go to twoguysplayingzelda.com for all sorts of you know, neat Zelda information and uh, fan fiction and different various things like that. And shut the fuck up! Stupid phone won't go on. Stop going off. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably my Twitter. It's like you know, somebody's tweeting a whole bunch about Zelda news that I'm just like, okay. Is it Zelda news or is it more fan art? And it's probably more fan art. And it's like, okay, I'll retweet the fan art, but you know, when it interrupts my You're podcast right. five times, shut up! <laughs> and as a part of the podcast where we talk about random bullshit until somebody says something really silly, stupid, or awkward, and then I cut it off at the, you know, most awkward moment possible.
Um, yeah. What you been up to? One of these days, I hope that we can get to the point where all of us are just so, like, slovenly drunk off our asses and <laughs> barely finish the plugging segment. Or at the very least, you. I want to see one podcast where you were just hammered off your ass. I'd <laughs> I'm more tipsy than I usually am at the end of the podcast, if that helps. No, no, no. I, I mean, like, you slurring your sentences where it's like, the, this is part where we talk about the funny shits and fuck you. <laughs> you know, that sounds surprisingly like me. <laughs> just get, get to, get, let's get a podcast out there that we just cannot post because it's unintelligible. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. This has been presented by Sean Michael Patrick Thompson, a Revolver Ocelot, and a Flapper Bitch. Hey, her name is Elena Keatling. Gesundheit. I want, I want you to know that she performed a medical procedure while, while other people were fighting off Cthulhu Monsters. Blowjob is not a medical procedure.